Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. You didn't think you'd hear from me today after that Pat's last, did you? Is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, the easiest way to shop for tickets. Thanks to the revolutionary grading system. Football fans, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NFL tickets, use promo code BSNFL. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. They do 100% cash bonuses. Off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payouts, just two business days. In-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on-the-go a breeze. Lay down some cash, try to win big today. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Visit MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code Bill Simmons. Activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. We are brought to you by TheRinger.com, where I brought back my Friday football column. It came back. It rose from the dead. And it's about 1,500 words longer than I'm going to try to aim for it every week. But... Um, had a lot to say about the the bizarre nature of the NFL offseason and how it started to overshadow the actual season. Laid down some picks, changed changed uh, my pick strategy. I'm just doing three or four bets every week, including teasers this year. So check that out. It's on TheRinger.com. It's coming every single week during this season through the Super Bowl, unless I get hit by a bus or something. So check that out. Don't forget about the Ringer NFL show, which is heated up this week with Robert Mays and Kevin Clark on Tuesdays and Fridays. GM Street with Tay Frazier and Mike Lombardi. And we, people have been asking when the next Rewatchables podcast is. We might tape one today. We're debating. We know we, know we want to have one up, and there's like three different movies we want to do. I might have to do a Twitter poll to see what America thinks. So stay tuned for that. Follow that feed if you haven't already. One last thing, Larry Wilmore's podcast had old Ringer friends, John Favreau and John Lovett on it, who used to host the Keeping It 1600 podcast for us, and now they're on Pod Save America. That podcast was excellent. I listened to the first half last night. It was good to hear those guys. Anyway, Joe House, Mally Rubin, coming up. But first, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Pearl Jam. On the line, Joe House. He has not been on this podcast for five to six weeks, and there's a good reason for that. House has his own podcast. It's called House of Carbs. He talks about food every week. He's had a bunch of Ringer staffers on. He's had a bunch of celebrities on. He's had me on a few times. It is already one of my favorite podcasts ever. House, this is your dream come true. You become a food maven. This is so kind of you. I appreciate it. Uh, I was always a food maven. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I mean that with all due false humility. Um, but having the opportunity to share my enthusiasm with all of our podcast pals is um, possibly my, my life's greatest accomplishment. Uh, please don't tell my parents that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you, man. It, I think your second greatest accomplishment is my daughter, Zoe Simmons. It's her favorite podcast. She's, we you know were, what? We were driving to soccer I, on, on this weekend in San Diego, two hours. She's just like, put House of Carbs on. It was like the fir first choice over everything, even over Jam Session, which is now her number two favorite podcast. Sorry, Amanda and Juliet. I've been getting a lot of great feedback from 
from from women who who have expressed um, a great bit of, of support, and I think it's because of Juliet. Juliet really resonates with the people. Yeah. You know, and Jacoby was mad because we took food news from Grantland, which Jacoby used to do with Juliet. I just like to remind Jacoby that don't get fired was my joke. And now him and Jalen have made a running segment. So I, to me, that's an even trade. We get food news. He gets don't get fired. That's fair, right? Nobody had to that's throw in fair. a draft that's pick. Definitely fair. Yeah, shut up, Jacoby. Um, House, you came here, I think, four weeks ago and my body still has not recovered. Do you like how I'm procrastinating from not talking about this Patriots game, by the way? Uh, <laughs> I gained I gained between four and five pounds and could not fit in two pairs of my jeans, which was pretty embarrassing. How many pounds did you gain? I was I was closer to double digits. I was in the eight to eleven pound range in wow. terms of the of the weight gain. Wow. The biggest culprit for that, two big factors for that. One was the lunches. I don't eat lunch Me like neither. that. No. Those are those are like old school lunches when I'm 23, 24, 25 years old. A 3,000 or 4,000 calorie lunch, where you know it's the middle of the afternoon, three o'clock, and I'm I'm dozing off, uh, and I might even catch 15 minutes of a of a cat nap back in the days when I was a young a young lawyer. Close the door and, yeah. and just catch those 15 minutes to have a coffee and power through the rest of the I'm, day. I'm glad that's what you're doing we when you close do the door. Anymore. I'm glad that's what huh? you're doing. I said, I'm glad that's what you're doing when you close the door, napping. (laughs) Um, We didn't have five-star lotion back then. (laughs) Um, um, We had one one night where we had three different dinners in the same night, which we we regale. We we basically, we described the whole food weekend on your podcast a couple weeks ago, if people want to hear it. But we had a dinner, and then we went, Chris Chen took us to this foot massage place where they did, what was that type of massage called? Like a circulation massage? What's it, was, it called? There was some reflexology yeah, for yeah. sure. So it was really interesting. It gave you superhuman strength. I've, I've eaten a lot of meals with you over the years. It was the first time I've, I've seen you gain strength as the night went along. A little like how in Vegas when they pump the oxygen in the casinos, this was like the food version of that. You immediately ripped off a second meal, and then a third meal, we're, we're thinking dessert, which for you, dessert was a pastrami sandwich, half a hot dog, and a bag of french fries. And this was like 11 o'clock at night. I don't think that was helping your health or, or your weight uh, your weight limit that week. I would say that was that was a big culprit. It, that was probably a three-pounder all by itself, <laughs> that, that, that 11 o'clock meal. And you have to thing. remember, my body clock, that, that was two in the morning for me. Well, if people, if you love food, it's a podcast for the hungry by the hungry. And, uh, and again, my daughter's, my daughter's uh, most beloved podcast. Speaking of three pounders and three pound dumps, the New England, I want to talk to you about Kyrie because we have not discussed, you and I have not discussed that in this podcast yet, but the Patriots took a three pound dump tonight and I'm torn about how, how i uh, been out of shape I want to get about it. I was very careful on the Twitter last night as you call it, the Twitter. Um, I I th- actually thought they there's a scenario where if Gronk just catches the second touchdown, they're up 14 nothing, and they probably win like 56 to 15 or something. Instead, he dropped it. There was some weird fourth and short calls. I have no idea, none, zero, zilch, why every time it's fourth and inches, they don't just spread it out with five receivers and Brady. 
who is has to be a hundred percent in that situation. It's unstoppable. It's always been unstoppable. Instead, they went like conventional, tried to ram the ball down. The, the Chiefs had ten guys stacked in the line. They're trying to ram the ball into it. I have no idea why they kicked a field goal. And they had three fourth and inches situations, and they got stuffed twice and kicked a field goal, which is like, come on. Um, Brady missed. Brady was really bad. I'm not going to panic about that yet, but he he was just bad. Other than the long throw he connected to Cooks, his balls were sailing high. He missed open receivers the whole night. He looked uncomfortable. He had a, a pass that he was two yards over the line, which was unconventional. And the the two things that I'm actually legit concerned about, one was the defense, who I was worried about anyway, because they just don't have the linebackers and the edge rushers this year. And then Hightower gets hurt, and all of a sudden there's guys out there that I just heard of two days ago. That was bad. I, I did not understand why Andy Reid was waiting basically three-quarters of the game to run swing passes and wheel routes to his uh, to Kareem Hunt, who I don't think we had a linebacker who could, could have defended him. That was one thing I was worried about. The other one, I thought Gronk looked like an old man last night. He looked like a Rodless Chapman trying to cover first base. He was... Did not have the same explosiveness, did not seem to have the same coordination. It just seemed, you know, obviously he wasn't drunk, but it seemed like he, he just seemed uncoordinated and and aging. What was you watch the game? What was your biggest takeaway watching a team that you don't care about? The thing that I was most surprised by is how the Pats defense got pushed around and how thin the defense looked to me. I thought that the Chiefs uh, were deliberate in saving something for the fourth quarter in yeah. terms of the wheel routes you're, you're mentioning. I think that that was intentional. You know, they kept running that shovel pass thing to Kelsey, which, you know, um, had kind of uh, mixed success, but it was success more, more often than not. Um, and they, they were able to get over the top a couple times with, with their speed in a way that was su- surprising to me. But if I was a Patriots fan, you can chalk up nearly all of the, you know, the Brady misfiring and the way that Gronk looked and everything on on the offense. I would say, you know, not getting, not converting those fourth downs. I would chalk all that up to just, you know, first game of the season stuff. And I agree with your point that if they'd gone up, if 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 the Gronk catch had been uh, allowed, they would that that they would have been tough to beat. The thing that's concerning to me is they got pushed around on defense, and they looked slow on defense, and the high tower injury is uh, concerning. So I don't know how they're going to shore it up, but I always like the Pats getting 10 days before their next football game. High tower is probably the only di- indispensable guy on, on that defense for everything he does, but then also just a lack of depth at, at that position in general. But their front seven, you know, again – the Patriots have been here many times and people panic, especially defensively and Belichick ends up moving people around and acquiring some weird guy from another team nobody's ever heard of. And then somehow it all works out. But the thing that scared me about last night, the Chiefs scored 42 points. It felt like they had about 20 penalties. Did you notice that? Like they, there was a ton. they were super sloppy. They made a ton of mistakes. They shot themselves in the foot over and over again and they still scored 42 points. And I, I didn't even feel like they played that well other than Alex Smith connected some passes and, and then their offense got going in the second half. But 
if you're a Chiefs fan watching those first three quarters, you're like, oh my God, we're completely blowing this game, giving it away, or you're blaming the refs. The calls seem pretty fair for the most part, but uh, their penalty advantage at one point was like 13 to two. And, and yet they still won the game by 15 points. And if you're in the AFC, you just got, you, you, you're keeping your fingers crossed now that Brady looked like a 40 year old man last night. And that's not an accident because <laughs> he's 40 years old. And uh, he, he really is 40. I, I I thought they really missed Edelman last night, which is not the last time I will say that this season. But Brady did not have that receiver out there that he just had the complete 100% confidence connection, has been through all the wars with. Amendola is probably the closest. But, you know, you saw what happened with Amendola last night. Like, he doesn't stay in the field when you play him all the time. He ended up getting, he, I think he got concussed, but, you know, he got nailed another time over the middle and it's just, he's just not as durable as Edelman. And I think it's, it's risky to, to expect him to play 19 games. I think, I, I think I'd settle for 13. It doesn't well, feel like they he's. They need to use him sparingly. That's, you know, you, you can't try and get that kind of workload. That uh, Edelman workload needs to be allocated across a bunch of guys. You're absolutely right that they looked slightly discombobulated by, you know, TB12 not having his number one guy. Uh, like, you know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> right. He was hurt two, two and a half, three weeks ago. So, like, yeah, they don't already have the answer. Uh, I'm not yeah, really that, that surprised by it. It goes, be, it goes further than that, though. The, the most important thing he's had for 15 years his successive failures, it's always been that slot guy that he completely trusts. And first it was Troy Brown and Troy Brown had an awesome run. Then they didn't really have anybody for a couple years after Dion branch left. I was really Dion branch left for one year, I guess. Uh, so it's Troy Brown, Dion branch, Dion leaves. You really felt it that year when they probably should have won the super bowl and they just didn't have that receiver. Welker comes in. He's great. Welker gives way to Edelman. He's great. This is really only the second season in the last 15 years that Brady doesn't have that one guy who's like, oh, it's third and seven. They're doing this. He just kind of looks over at his dude, and that guy knows exactly what Brady's thinking, and then the, and then it happens. You would think he would have that connection with Gronk. I, I, I don't know whether Gronk's banged up or whether Eric Berry just is great and shut him down, and Eric Berry ended up getting hurt at the end of the game. But, yeah, that uh, sucks. Gronk was not open in that game. He just wasn't. Even the plays that he made, there was somebody draped all over him every time. It was an atypical Gronk performance. I didn't think the Chiefs could cover Brandon Cooks and was frustrated that Brandon, you know, Brandon Cooks, I don't know how many catches he ended up with, but he also drew, I think, three flags. But just in general, like, it seemed like a game just unleashed Brandon Cooks. Maybe Brady doesn't feel 100% comfortable with him yet. I'm concerned, though. I, I think... You know, between Brady's age and the defense, there <laughs> people are saying the Pats are going to go defeated. I think there's there's real reasons for concern. Now, the good thing is they're for the Pats; they're in the AFC East, and um, you know, it's not like that's going to be a kick-ass division. But we, I, Sal, and I did the pot on on the guest alliance this week. It was minus five fifty to win the Super Bowl. All 31 teams other than the Patriots. You could have every team for minus 550. That seems like one of the great bets of all time now, right? Is it still available? Where is it? <laughs> no. Hold the, on. The I need are, that. <laughs> I want that right now. 
The odds have definitely shifted on that one. Son uh, of a... What, what is the number one thing you're excited about with this football season? Other than gambling. <laughs> you be that's it. Only gambling. I live for the for the gambling anymore because I don't have a local team to root for. So all I root for is my bets. The single most uh, you know exciting thing for me is is rejoining with cousin Sal on the super contest. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about for this football season, brother. Do you have your picks yet? I he sent me his and I I sent him mine. So we have five picks. Should we talk about them? Yeah, we could go over it quickly. I do. Want, I want to talk about about Kyrie with you, but I, we should uh, we should definitely hit this quickly. I did. Um, I picked this in the column too. I like the Rams minus four because of Scott Tolzien. He's he's Scott Tolzien on the road getting less than seven. I'm in. I'll take it. Uh, Can't believe it. I did that. I, that was one of mine. Go ahead. I have. Uh, I did the Ravens, who were plus two and a half in the contest in Cincinnati. I just like the Ravens this year. And one of my September gambling philosophies is ride the teams that you like or don't like. And for me, the Colts are, I, I want to short the Colts. I think they're going to be terrible, which is why I took the Rams. I like the Ravens. I like what they did. I like how they beefed up their D. I love Justin Tucker. I like the special teams. They have a good home field. It's why I wrote today, It's they're the team in your fantasy league that wins ugly every week and you don't understand how they're winning, but they keep winning. And I think well, it starts this week. I have them in the NFL wins pool that we do every year, and that's the, the theory that, that informed, you know, that was the thesis as to why I selected them. I'm, I'm concerned about Joe Flacco's back. If Joe Flacco's back turns out to be a bad back, then it's going to be another bad season for the Ravens. Well, he's fine. It's not like you get hit playing. Or, oh shit! Um, I took, I took the Seahawks plus three in Green Bay. I just like the Seahawks. Yeah. I I thought it's gonna be uh, such a good game. Yeah, fair line. They I think they have a fifty fifty chance to win, maybe even sixty forty. And I'm getting three points, so I just grabbed that. Yeah. yeah. I like the Titans, who I don't really like this season. It was the, but I don't like the Raiders as much. I did not pick the Raiders to make the playoffs. I think they've been a little overrated. I think there's a little too much smoke getting blown up their butts. And I think that, uh, you know, too many people are on the bandwagon, basically. I like the fact they're playing in Tennessee, those early September games in the South. Um, by the way, good luck to everybody in the South this weekend. Holy shit, Hurricane Irma. I know, um, another. But the, uh, usually the weather in the South, those first couple weeks, and the and the opposing team just just wilts as the game goes along. So the Titans were minus two and a half, and I actually like that one. And then the last one I had was the Chargers on Monday night, plus three in Denver. I just think they have a better team. Uh, We had Koo on the podcast on Wednesday. I'm ready for Koo Sanity. Phil Rivers in Denver, and uh, it's the same thing as the Seahawks. I just just think they have a really good chance to win. I like getting points. So what did you take other than than, uh, the Rams? Yeah, we both took the Rams. I I put in the Texans, so I'm going all favorites. I mean, I, it's just the beginning of the season. I don't have any guts whatsoever. So my three selections were the Texans at minus five because I just love – I talked myself into that Houston storyline of them coming out yeah. and just going out gangbusters. Yeah, um, it's a good one. And, and anything less than a touchdown against the Jaguars with the Texans at home, the first game in Houston, yeah, I, I like that. Um and I, I also uh, took the Vikings uh, minus three 
on Monday night. I just like them at home. I think the Vikings are good, uh, good to, to very good. I think yep. that they and the Seahawks are kind of the class of the NFC. I mean, the NFC East is going to sort itself out. I'm, I, I'm leaning towards the Eagles there, but I like, I like the Vikings, the, the Packers, and the Seahawks. Um, so I like the Vikings uh, at home three against New Orleans. Hold on, took, hold on. I, I really like them too. I almost took them. I like that team, and I like the rookie running back who I overpaid for in my fantasy draft, Cook. I think he's going to be yeah. really good. I I actually think this is going to be like the year of the rookie running backs. And I in my fantasy draft, I was I wanted to end up with at least two of them. But between Cook, you saw Hunt last night was, after the fumble, just fantastic. Uh, a record. McCaffrey, Fournette, it's pretty loaded. It really, it really is, and and it's a position that needed a little invigoration. So uh, anyway, well, I, I'm what? I'm with you on Minnesota, but I'm sc- I, I'm always scared of Breeze on Monday night. It's just a, but it's an allergic reaction. I just he's one of those guys you hate going against on Monday nights. It's like oh my god, Drew Breeze, he got 458 yards. So I stayed away. I, I, I'm I'm right there with you, and they're in a dome, which yeah. also doesn't help. But it's just. I can't. They, I've been. I've seen too much of that New Orleans defense, and every year, oh, it's improved. They've improved this spot and that point, and then they come out and give up forty-eight points. So I just like the idea of three points at the end of the game. The Vikings at home. That's all. And then Sal, Sal started doing on the Ringer. He's doing his best bet every week. We're making awesome videos out of them, so you can check that out. It's on our Twitter feed. Sal took the Steelers minus nine, which I loved. I have them in a. I, that was one of my picks in my column. I teased the Steelers with the uh, with the Chargers. I, oh my! On the Texans, the Steelers, like the Browns, it's all the signs are there. There was a little hope there for a little bit, and then all hell broke loose the last ten days. Garrett got hurt, yeah. and it just seems like they're headed for another Browns year. But um, I looked at that Texans line for a long time. Tom, the Macho Man, Tommy Savage. Just scares, just scares me. I'm not I'm not ready to wager on him yet. I just I wanted to. I looked at it. I, I all the same reasons you had. I think the Texans defense is gonna be terrific. I think they're gonna run away with the AFC South by two wins. I just couldn't pull the trigger on Macho Man Tommy Savage. I want Watson to be in there. I'm waiting for Watson. I'm right there with you. The thing is, um what what how I got over that reticence was um, Mr. Blake Bortles. That's kind of what helped me get over my concerns there. <laughs> the Blake Tannic. Blake Bortles facts. Hey, House. Blake Bortles and Tom Brady have six MVP. Go ahead. Yeah, shout out to the Blake Bortles facts Twitter account. One of the, one of the best accounts on Twitter right now. House, I'm giving you a recommendation on Instagram. There's an account called Drunk People Doing Things that is basically somebody took all the videos I took in college and now they're just putting up fresh 2017 versions three or four times a day. And it is outstanding. And don't, are they a sponsor? No, they are not a sponsor. <laughs> can, they, can we have them be a sponsor of house of cards? I, I want to sponsor For, them. Up my alley. I want to sponsor them. It is, it's just tremendous. It's people jumping off a deck into a pool but somehow hitting a oh, table no. and uh, like oh, no. nobody nobody really getting hurt but like people just Good. throwing up on each other and it's just all the stuff from college that uh that we miss that is now captured on this account it's it's hilarious anyway speaking of gambling house DraftKings one week fantasy football they're hosting a $100,000 contest totally free to enter one big wrinkle this year if you draft the perfect lineup 
you can win $1 billion. Draft King. Billion with a B? Yeah. Lots of ways to play. You can choose between public contests with big cash prizes, private contests where you compete against a group of friends, or my personal favorite, single entry contests. Each person can only enter one lineup. They have beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level as well. The best part about DraftKings, draft a new team each week without any commitment. Go to DraftKings.com right now or go to their app, the DraftKings app. Use promo code SIMMONS to play in DraftKings free week one contest with $100,000 total prizes. Remember, if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That's promo code SIMMONS. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I I do DraftKings every week, but I mean I, I, I like I like fantasy on DraftKings more than I actually like real fantasy at this point. Real fantasy I'm is right just there with you. everybody has the same picks or the same sleepers and the same opinions and you know the draft I had on Tuesday night like Le'Veon Bell went for seventy one dollars, David Johnson went for sixty nine, and somebody took three fifty dollar receivers and it's like everybody knows has the same information. Um, do you, who do you use for that league? What service do you use? I don't want to give a plug, but I'm just interested. So we use CBS Sportsline for that, okay, for no reason. Perfect. We pay for it. Um, That's for us, too. So this is what I want to ask you. My very favorite thing about CBS Sportsline is they give commentary on the quality of your selections and your, and your draft, and they do a weekly email every week that, that um, ranks the teams and so forth. Based on their own, you know, metrics for for where players should have been drafted, and then what players you should have inserted into your lineup. Yeah, it's aut- it's it, an automated automated uh, writing yeah. about your draft. I agree. I enjoy yeah. it too. My very favorite thing is getting a bad grade in the CBS draft. That means <laughs> I always know that I did a good job if I got a bad grade from CBS. <laughs> Because the I find their ratings to be um, uh, extraordinarily terrible. I think they're. They're bad at it, but I love. I got a C this year. I yeah. said, "Oh, I was about to say C for championship, mother effort." <laughs> I uh, I also love when they they try to guess what the score of the matchup's going to be, and the the scores they assign to each player are usually way off. I, I go to it every week. It's my go to. I, yeah. I, I can't enjoy it. I always enough. get mad. I, I agree. I'm getting mad at some automated system. You know, I will say, people who run CBS Sportsline, if you're listening. It's not an accident that when people go to the top part of your menu and they're trying to click like my team or standings and, oh, accidentally I've clicked an ad. Like, you don't need to do any mouse chicanery. You're better than that, CBS Sportsline. Don't, 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 don't sh- sw- quickly switch the menu so that all of a sudden I'm accidentally clicking on an ad. I know what you're up to. Don't do that. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I am complimentary of them on balance. I, I like very much the weekly snarky uh, comments. Me too. How, the, the, the name of my team is my son's like, like my son likes your daughters because I, I'm in a league with a bunch of uh, guys that all have daughters that are the same age as my son. That's so, great. Yeah. So I love it when it comes up. My son likes your daughters could have won this week, could have beaten. I'm not allowed. Am I allowed to say grabbed push? <laughs> sure. Okay Why not? Well, that's one of the teams in, the, in this league. We'll, we'll just bleep it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the grab p words we could say that <laughs> <laughs> but you know would have be if if only he'd followed the advice and put you know travis kelsey in yeah uh ahead of whatever that that's my favorite part of cbs sports line 
we uh we switched to a different service i think two years ago to quote unquote save money and yeah all of us just hated it and we had almost a revolt against jamie the guy who was running the league who stabbed me in the back on Tuesday night and tried to vote me out, and I had to win a Connect Four oh my job. God. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, has, it, have you, has it been publicized? Did you do yeah. Twitter and Instagram on who got kicked out? Yeah, I beat uh, I beat Kyle and Connect Four to stay in the league because Jamie, who I've known <laughs> since he was 16, and I've helped him every step of the way. He, he decided to ram the uh, Arya's sword into my back. There'll be payback. I'm waiting. Unbelievable. Tate, if you yeah. ever do anything you like know, that to made, me, you made that I, would, I will run you over in a car. Um, let's talk about Kyrie really quickly. Give us your thoughts. Um, so I was really, really, really disappointed that it turned out that Kyrie really did want to be traded and that Cleveland really was inclined to accommodate that because you know how much I love a conspiracy theory. Yeah. When I saw all of this, my, my conspiracy theory antennae were, were raised and my eyes were going back and forth. I preferred to think that that whole thing was a play by the uh, worldwide dominator LeBron James yeah. to create the narrative. He, he learned a very important lesson with the decision, and he was not going to repeat that mistake. And he now has all of the infrastructure in place between his management team, the, um, the agency, the, the representation of players, and his own PR uh, firm to, to put out a, a story with an intended desired effect that's going to put him in the very best light. I thought he was creating the story by, that was going to give him permission to go to L.A. next year. That's what I thought that whole thing was about. And I thought at the end of the day, Kyrie would stay in Cleveland and that there was some payoff for, for, for Kyrie behind all of this, that, that, you know, some inducement that LeBron could offer Kyrie, but that the, the intended effect of showing the, the Cavs management to be bunglers, which really doesn't need much um, in the way of furtherance to, after this summer yeah. because of what happened with Griffin and all of the, you know, they didn't make any moves. But I'll be goddamned if, if, if um, I don't remember the young man's name, who, who is the successor to Griffin uh, off the top of my head. He might be the GM of the year for that trade for this for the swindle that they pulled off against the Celtics. Swindle. Co- it was Co- a swindle. Kobe Altman. Swindle. Okay. Kobe Altman. Sorry. Let's, let's hear Sorry, why Kobe. you think. What's that was like a three minute monologue leading. You buried the lead. You thought it was a swindle. It was a swindle. There's, the reason it was a swindle is because the Brooklyn pick was supposed to be the compensation for, for um, little guy's hip, for IT's hip. Everybody knew that IT had a hip problem. He didn't play in the playoffs because of his hip problem. Yeah. And he, we knew that it was something that was going to linger into the beginning of the season. So the only reason that the Celtics had to include the Brooklyn pick without any protection whatsoever was for the purpose of, you know, sort of buying Cleveland's agreement to hold their nose and approve the trade, notwithstanding whatever came out of the physical. Yep. That's the point of the unprotected Brooklyn pick. Yeah. Not all, so they got to that point. They were right on the brink of it, and they were like, you know what? We want a little bit more. They got and a the second Celtics rounder. They over and gave it to them. Nah, they gave them a second rounder. Who cares? Uh, I, look, they, they got more. They got more. That's the point. The whole thing was, was, was fine. I was willing to, um, you know, concede to the Celtics that, that that Brooklyn pick unprotected. I think Brooklyn's going to be 
terrible again this year. I don't I don't buy the um, the narrative that they're going to be they're slightly improved and the East is much worse. So so Brooklyn might end up that pick might not be a top five pick. That pick is going to be a top five pick once again. Let there be no doubt. So I, I, I think that that was a really, really valuable asset that Cleveland now has and can move in so many different directions. That was totally fair compensation for Kyrie. I mean, the fair trade was just Kyrie for IT straight up. And if IT didn't have it, the injured hip, that would have been a fine trade. But all the other pieces, I mean, come on. Kobe killed it. Well, if, I, if IT was completely healthy, I think the trade would have been Thomas Crowder, it may be Boston's 2018 pick and a second rounder, or who knows, or maybe the Memphis pick, whatever they had. But, you know, you're getting one year of Thomas, and we have no idea when he's coming back. That feels like a problem. You mentioned the Brooklyn pick. So Vegas has, and I don't want to step Ooh. on our magical over unders podcast oh. that we do every year, Ve- but Vegas has their over under 27. They have Atlanta under that. They have Chicago under that at 22. They have um, Sacramento at 27 and a half and Phoenix at 29. So Phoenix at 29. Yeah, that oh seems that seems a little high. When are we going to get on that one? Somebody in yeah. the somebody in the well, we already made our bet. We should tell America. We made the big one. Philly was 41 for some reason, and you, me, and Sal. 41 and a half. 41 and a half. You, me, and Sal just, we pounced on that like you pounced on the we, pastrami sandwich that night. We, we pounded it. I, I just, I can't believe, nobody factors in durability with these wins odds. If they get 100 games out of Embiid, Fultz, and Simmons, well, 100's low. If they, let's say 103. Would you say what's the over under? What's the over under where you would bet over? Simmons, Fultz, and Embiid total games combined one twenty. I, I like it like a, a hundred and fifty as the, the oh, number. One, let's make that bet right now. I'll give you one fifty <laughs> over right now, right now. <laughs> no, Italian dinner. The lot as the not. That's fifty games for each of them. Yeah, okay, I'm giving it to you. Give one fifty Italian dinner. <laughs> okay, we're doing it. That's All right, great. Good. Great. Tate recorded it. So let me ask you this. Would the Celtics have trade would the Celtics right now trade Kyrie Irving for injured Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, the Brooklyn Pick, and Zizich? Would no. So both teams win. Uh, of course. The, the the circumstances matter. I mean, you know, the Celtics uh have put themselves in the very best position to uh, vanquish the Cavs and the Cavs did the, the very, very, very best they could do when there was only one other suitor. I mean, there was only the, the only other suitor, according to the reports, was Milwaukee, and it didn't sound like yeah, Milwaukee that's was, true, was really bringing heat. They weren't really at the table, so it was a one team that, that had interest, and Cleveland got the very best offer, the very best deal they could get out of, out of Boston, considering there were no other suitors. Well, so I, I mean, I do. It's fine to think of it as win-win. I don't have any problem with that. I still think it's a swindle. There were suitors. The problem is once Kyrie found out about Boston, he started sending out uh, stink faces to the other teams that were chasing. Because nobody's going to give up a shitload for Kyrie if he's saying, like, I'm not resigning there in two years. So right. he was able to control the market. And that's, you know, that this happened with Paul George, too. Um, once it gets out that the player wants to go, it, it does become a little bit harder to trade for them, I, to trade them. 
I thought Cleveland did the best they could have done under the circumstances. I thought it was a really smart trade for them, and it allows them to keep their feet on both sides of the fence, depending on what LeBron does. I still think totally LeBron's agree. leaving. I think Kyrie thought Le- LeBron was leaving. I don't really think he liked playing with LeBron that much. And, you know, I keep coming back to... Eh, I don't, I, I'm not sure about that. Playing with LeBron got him to the finals three consecutive years. Yeah, where and he did it. He was able to be on that very biggest stage and distinguish right. himself on that stage. I mean, where else is he getting that opportunity? And he did it, and he graduated from it. And now he now he wants to play with other people. Because okay, if he liked playing fine. with LeBron, he would have stayed there. There's no reason okay. for him to get traded. Um, I li- I really like the way KD put it when I did the pod with him, which is basically D- KD is like Kyrie's like me. He likes structure. He just wants to hoop. And he was tired of every year this happened, that happened, this might happen. He just didn't want to do it anymore. That made sense to me. You And that's totally fair. You and I are, I mean, even before this trade, you and I were both in the what the hell is everybody doing? Kyrie Irving is awesome camp. Were you surprised that so many people out there were kind of of downing him as not a franchise player, but as somebody who could be one of the two essential pieces on any great team, which is really how you have to look at this stuff because there aren't any franchise players. There's LeBron and Durant. Um, But were you surprised that that people were so willing to kind of discard what we saw in the last three playoffs? Well, the the problem is, and we talked about this a little bit, me, you, and KOC had a podcast where we were trying to compare the merits of John Wall to Kyrie. Yeah. I just think it's impossible to separate Kyrie out from the Cleveland situation and get a really good assessment for who he is. I mean, you can run the numbers for um, – how he looks on the court without LeBron and how he's, you know, how he looks on the court without um, K-Love. But I just, that those are, those are not, you know, great sample sizes. And it's not, you can't really give yourself a warm, fuzzy feeling about exactly who the player is and what kind of, you know, part of the thing that that's hard also with Kyrie is if you're going to put him in that category of a top 15 player, he needs to be a little bit of a leader. And I feel like we, we don't know anything about what kind of leadership potential he has, which is another sort of a- a- aspect of playing with LeBron and, you know, another reason why he might want to get out from under the LeBron umbrella so he can go out there and show folks that he has that leadership capacity. But there's enough unknowns. I think to to be sort of cautious about it. I'm going to give you the odds for the Eastern Conference right now. You're going to tell me what you like. Cleveland Cavaliers minus 125. Boston Celtics plus 225. The Wizards of Washington plus 1500. The Bucks of Milwaukee 20 to 1. Incredibly Inexplicably, the Philadelphia 76ers are 20 to 1. I, I just am stupefied what? by that. It's, I'm stupefied. What are you talking about? I, I'm dumbfounded. I, I don't understand it. Toronto being the operative word. Toronto is 22 to 1. Miami, 25 to 1. The Pistons are 100. Now it gets wonky. 100 to 1. Charlotte's 125 to 1. Philly, 20 to 1. Miami? So Miami was 25 to 1. And. I I actually could see them regressing this year, but they also have the possibility of maybe making some move if somebody becomes available. Who knows? Your wizard. That, that, the wizards at fifteen to one, though, that seems high. They, You've the, you're easily the third best team. They have a move to make. Uh, yeah, because 
the, the uh, Martin Gortat expiring contract situation mm. um, isn't going to isn't going to go great, um, and they have to to you know figure out what they're going to do between the sixteen million dollar man, Jan, my foot feels soft, Mahinmi, and and uh, <laughs> and Gortat, who's making less money than that, and I think that the, what they're going to do is move Gortat. Um, so I don't know yet what the team is going to be. Uh, Gortat was really important. Is really important to um, the pick the and picks. roll uh, effectiveness. He, has mo- he has, sets the so. best moving picks in the league. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, God bless the league for permitting it. I don't understand why Cleveland is minus one twenty-five and Boston's plus two twenty-five. I feel like those should be a little closer, considering we have no idea when Isaiah Thomas is coming back. And if he doesn't come well, back, here's the thing. I don't like here's that the casting. Thing about Boston that I think makes it fair. They they really gave up. A, they lost a lot of depth. And the thing that I'd be worried about as a Boston fan is when is the team going to find its defensive identity? Because that's really the thing that that distinguished Boston last season. Yeah, they played really superlative defense and then let the little guy go ahead and, and just run amok in the fourth quarter. And that was a formula that worked last season. That's not the formula for this can it, team. Can I remind you that? Uh... Washington was putting up like 125 point games in the playoffs, and Cleveland was shooting 60 percent in like four of the five playoff games. Like, well, Cleveland is not the comparator, but Washington is a very good comparison. Yeah, and you saw what happened. Washington has superior talent, but not superior depth. Boston beat them with defensive depth. John mm. Wall had three straight bad games efficiency wise because Avery Bradley was in his chest, and Wall had to play max minutes. That was, you know, we talked about this a little bit ad nauseum. Well, we have those those playoffs. We have plenty of time to talk basketball. Mallory Rubin just got here, so I want to audible. But first, it's no secret traveling can be pretty stressful. You can have peace of mind in the palm of your hand with the Fly Delta app, which I just used when the Simmons fan went to Hawaii. The Fly Delta app will make your travel experience informed, connected, and seamless. It's with you every step of the way. Gives you the timely information you need. Find, compare, and book flights on the go. Check your sky miles balance. Update your travel preferences to find a flight that's right for you. Make sure your time goes at the airport goes smoothly with interactive airport maps, easy to access boarding pass, gate and state information, and the ability to scan your passport during check-in. Get alerted when boarding begins. Rebook, cancel, or delayed flights. I mean, you can do everything. They even deliver real-time bag tracking with RFID, radio frequency identification. Being on the go doesn't have to mean being out in the loop. Discover all the ways Delta makes travel easier than ever. Download the Fly Delta app on your iPhone, iPad, or Android today. I have been Team Delta for three years because I think they're the most reliable. I just want to get I just want to get there on time. I've had the best experience with Delta. All right, Mallory Rubin is here, the mother of dragons. Hello. Um, she is fresh <laughs> off. Uh, Kind of recovering from just an, an insane run of Game of Thrones, which we're not going to talk about until the tail end of this today. But um, I wrote my column today about how the football offseason has just completely fallen apart and it started to affect how people actually care about football as a whole. Mm-hmm. And at the same time this was happening, the NBA has turned into a 12-month-a-year sport. And we've seen it with the traffic at the ringer and just what people seem to be interested in. We can write about the NBA in mid-August and people read it. They care about the personalities. They care about stupid stuff like who's the social media MVP, some random pick-up game that was being played in New York City. 
Um, the fact that LeBron posted some Instagram post of him working out. This is all stuff that is just constantly going. Like I read this piece yesterday about House of Highlights, which I think is a fantastic Instagram account. And kudos to Omar, 22-year-old uh, maniac. But um, he's basically saying House of Highlights is by far the the biggest traffic for them and what they go in all in on the most is NBA. It's like NBA, NBA, NBA. The NFL, like last night in the pregame, they ran this clip. It's like touchdown celebrations. And they showed like four or five guys like, here's my touchdown celebration. It was like the NFL's awkward way to seem personable and have a connection with fans. And yet they don't. And I look at, I wrote about in my column today, I was writing about Aaron Donald's holding out. He's probably the best defensive player in the league. Nobody's having an Aaron Donald conversation. It's like, oh, you think Aaron Donald's? That's not a conversation happening in our office. But if Kawhi Leonard was holding out, our office would be talking about this for five weeks. So, Mallory, what what do you think are the reasons why the NFL offseason is dying other than the obvious? Well, first, just to reply to that last part first, Kawhi Leonard is also... He's on the Spurs, right? And Aaron Donald is on the Rams. Fair and point. people don't care about the Rams. And weirdly, they care about them less now that they're in Los Angeles than they did before. Maybe Anthony Davis would be the right thing, right? He's yeah. a top 10 player who's on New right. Orleans who's not going to do anything. Right. And so even then, even if, he, even if an NBA star is on an irrelevant team, that player is one of a handful of guys on that team who people know and care about and doesn't wear a helmet, right? That's yeah. a big part of it. The endorsement deals, obviously, are a big part of it. You just see these guys in the NBA constantly. People read about football and engage with football year-round, but part of the problem, obviously, that the NFL is facing, and there's no like easy way to talk about this, is that most of the NBA news, and not all of it, certainly, there's some dark NBA news, too. There's dark news everywhere in the world right now. It's a dark time in our lives, but yeah. most of the football news, or at least a lot of it, increasingly a lot of it, is extremely unpleasant. So the stuff that you're writing about in the offseason is often going to be about the latest CTE study or the latest domestic violence allegation against a star player. It's tough for fans to engage with the sport in that same way. And then when you add the star power and the way that NBA superstars like LeBron or Durant are not only the best at what they do and fun to watch and rewarded for having fun at being good. Like the fact that Antonio Brown is going to get fined or flagged when he's doing the absolute peak of what he can do, scoring an amazing touchdown and then twerking, right? Or celebrating. That sucks. It's hard to engage with that as a fan fully and celebrate it when you know that the person who's participating in it is being punished in some way like that's really tough i forgot to put him in my calm you just reminded me when you brought him up he had to go on dancing with the stars to become more famous like that's really why else would you go on dancing with the stars that's right. not like oh i want to win the dance competition you're trying to build your brand there isn't a top house is there a top 35 player in the nba who would go on dancing with the stars is there a top 50 player who is what's the what's the cutoff line for an nba player who would go on dancing with the stars a hundred a hundred because everybody runs their own show i mean jr smith is is twitter famous and instagram famous what what number is he on that list yeah, I mean, it would, it would honestly have to be like Kyle Korver or somebody. Somebody who's oh it's like a role player who has no profile. That's the point, though, right? It's it's unfair to compare the two in in this in this sense. There are only you know ten guys right. 
on a basketball court at a time, and none of them are wearing clothing that obstructs, you know, who they are. And, and you know, there are 82 games. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the basketball, it turns out that NBA is absolutely perfect for social media. Yeah. And football has maybe 10 guys or 15 guys. Like, if, if uh, Aaron Rodgers held out, that would be a big story. We would be talking about it all the time. But um, this brother Donald playing for the Rams, like, you know, I can live without it. Call me in, you know, it only matters to me in terms of how I bet for or against <laughs> right. the Rams. Yeah. That's, that's the only data point that I care about. The NBA basically, as an institution, magnifies and elevates somebody's pre-existing persona, and the NFL stifles it, or stifles it by its very nature, or at times actively works to obscure it. And so the institution itself is kind of working against these the 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 height of celebrity somebody playing in it can reach. You know, Tom Brady, you tell me if this is a crazy thing to say, is obviously extremely famous for being the quarterback of the New England Patriots and winning Super Bowls, but he's as famous, or at least a big part of it, is that he's extremely handsome and married to a supermodel and has been modeling and wearing Uggs and being goofy and weird and also happened to have the underdog story because of the fact that he was underdrafted. And he's been in big games and he's been around for a long time. And I think that's another issue. Right. Right. You have Priest Holmes for three years. He's gone. He's just gone. Guy, guy put three of the best years together yes. and within two years he's gone. Um, Le'Veon Bell, three years from now, is he still going to be at the height he is now? I don't know. It was interesting on Hard Knocks to hear Doug Martin, who is like, relatively speaking, as a person in the world, a young man yeah. and in NFL running back standards ancient yeah, right. talk about that candidly like especially because he has a suspension this year he was basically the subtext of his commentary was wow that's a that's a lot of time off my very limited clock like yeah. when I get back out there I have to work hard to be relevant again and I think players are extremely aware of that it's well, think about the NBA like Damian Lillard He's going to put house. How long does Damian Lillard play? 17 years, maybe 18 years. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, at least another t- 10 to 12 years, we would say. Right. If he's a running back, he's, I don't know, an awesome version of Deion Lewis. Right. Maybe he plays nine years, but these guys just come and go and there's so much turnover. But Lewis right there. I do think though, the arrogance <laughs> of the NFL where they didn't want these guys to become personalities. They wanted it to be team franchise. And you look at the way that they treated Brady with the Flakegate, not to bring up the Flakegate for the millionth time, but I just don't think the NBA would do that. The NBA wouldn't be, the NBA would never say, hey, we have a chance to get LeBron James. Like, if anything, they would go the other way and cover up whatever the information is. They don't want anything to happen to LeBron James. Like, the NBA realizes that the marketability of their stars is the key to their success. Right. And I really honestly think the NFL for years and years believed the marketability of our logos and our cities and our stadiums and our franchises, that is the key to our success. And all of these guys are completely interchangeable. House, is that, is that too dark? No, it's, it's 100% true. And I think it, it, it's kind of, I don't mean to be geeky about it, that's basic labor economics, right? It's in the interest of the ownership of, of the NFL to not permit any any of the players to um, you know have a, a a basis that would change the leverage of that relationship, there they have a that's why they went after the the very biggest 
dick on the block, Tom Brady, and took him down. They would, that, was a, that was a show of force by ownership against, you know, the, the, the labor force of the NFL. I mean, George Atala at NFLPA might come over and, and punch me in the nuts for this, but, you know, I think that whole thing was orchestrated for the purpose of creating a dynamic for the next collective bargaining agreement. Like, every one of you players, this is what the whole point of, of punishing the players the way that they do now. This, this is Ezekiel Elliott, six-game suspension based on the NFL's own investigation that is, is apparently uh, superior to what the police and the prosecutor did in the state of uh, wherever. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm slipping on the state. But, you know, th- that's why they, this, this, this concerted effort to punish the players, they are actively undermining the capacity of the players in the next collective bargaining agreement to argue for a bigger share of the pie because they're all fungible. They're all replaceable, and they're all, you know, in the public eye, um, capable of, of, of uh, you know, being forgotten quite quickly. And that's in the owner's interest. So part of what I wrote my column about today was that four, only four years ago, it feels like a million, but when I was running Grantland in May of 2013, I asked Robert Mays to just start doing a countdown to the NFL season. Right. And it was a different era. It was like everyone, football would go away. You'd feel this sense of real sadness, kind of what Mallory's going through with Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> We go away for two, three weeks, then free agency would start. Then all of a sudden the combine and the draft, and by the end of the draft, you know, then there was a little bit of a lull. But now you're ready for football to come back. And then like mid June, the fantasy magazines would go on the newsstand. Right. They barely have newsstands anymore. There's the the internet though. Those great days (laughs) of newsstands. And by by the beginning of July, you're like football, 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 football. I don't know if it's me. Or whether this is just the way it's going now, but I didn't. I I felt that way this week. I did not feel that way five weeks ago, or ten weeks ago, twenty weeks ago. That, that excitement for the season. Now that the season started, I'm in it again. I don't know how long this version of me as a football fan is going to last. But did you feel that? Because you've been in the content business, Mallory, for I don't know since you got out of college. Did you? Are you? Do you feel the change now in the off season where people? The, the excitement just isn't what it was maybe six years ago? I, I think, so yes and no. I mean, I think it's hard to gauge excitement because that is so specific and personal and will vary, you know, from one human being or, or cluster of fans to the next. But I do think it's, there's a correlation. Like, it's a partially in response to the fact that there's actually more content than ever, right? So True. you used to not have the option to engage with the sport year-round, the way that maybe you would have wanted to. And now there's just saturation. There's so much. Everything is covered basically like the Super Bowl year-round, whether it's football or not. All the, like Everybody wrote these articles this year about Game of Thrones being covered like the Super Bowl. So it's not even just specific to football, and it's not even just specific to sports. As a consumer in the world, you just have choices constantly. And so maybe you are just now presented with more choice than you ever had. and More so, passion point choices. Yeah, when you can choose between, you know, going on a deep dive on youth soccer research or right. <laughs> reading your wide receiver rankings a little bit early, maybe you choose the youth soccer deep dive because it's something you couldn't have even done before. Yeah. And you know that the football stuff will still be there for you on the regular timeline. So I think people love football. I think it is increasingly uncomfortable to be a football fan. And that's a, that's a real factor. But when the, when the, the 
Chiefs and Patriots were playing last night. Yeah, it felt like fine. the only thing in the world people cared about yeah. for a minute. And obviously there are there were other terrible and very important things in the world happening. And that comment does not discount any of that. But instantly the NFL just assumed its natural position as the dominant cultural and sporting touchstone in the world. And there's a reason that we have five pieces on the ringer about one game. It's because it was really exciting and energizing for people. Yeah. And so I think you'll feel that again very quickly. I think part of the offseason is also determined by who's in the draft, who's in the free agent class, what kind of movement is there, you know, like obviously stuff this year you're talking about. How exciting is it to talk about like the Raiders relocating? Is that like a thrilling thing to be talking about all offseason? It's like depressing for a lot of people. It's not as exciting as shirtless LeBron working on Instagram. Exactly. And you can also literally get that exact plot line, should you choose to do so, on Ballers on Sunday night. Like literally, you can just choose a more condensed, entertaining version of the same thing. Yeah. So so are you a 12 month year football fan or a six month year football fan now? Just six months, only six months. I, I I rev up. I revved up just like you in the last week because I got excited about betting on NFL futures <laughs> and betting on you know starting to formulate a perspective on what teams I like, sort of power ranking wise, so I could may, try and, and not go zero and sixteen the first week of our picks pool um, and try and have a point of view on what teams are going to win some games, so I could try and win that pool. It's all personal to me. And, and it's, I love this idea of, of the curation that we're talking about here because that's the way that I consume football. I care about it only for the purposes of the fun of the gambling and the camaraderie that comes with that. Like all of the circles of friends that I have, I'm still in one stupid fantasy football league, but it's just because I love that group me too. of pals. The yeah. rare one. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I didn't read that story yet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's... I just want to apologize to you in advance. Mallory was a winner and a loser <laughs> in the story. To to you, someone who, you know, maybe thinks of me as a like a balanced, rational person. The funniest thing <laughs> about Mallory this in 2017 was for years and years was was presented a certain way both internally and externally and now the last four months people have seen the real Mallory showing you my truest self you've, you've cried 12 different times on audio and video at least <laughs> you've berated co-workers oh, yeah. two things they to say about it. that I, I can't believe Mallory that you're available for this podcast if, if Bill Simmons was a better boss you would be in Hawaii right now I tried he, he tr- he I tried, tried. He I, tried. I, I had like an intervention not next week but the following week I'm gonna go see my family yeah we I were pr- like trying to force her to leave <laughs> yeah well you you Soon. should be somewhere drinking a delicious Juliet you know that yeah. you know the beverage I'm of talking course, about of course absolutely who doesn't be enjoying a delicious uh uh, you know, Juliet, and maybe even a little poke My on, goodness. on the Hawaiian beach. That's the only place you can eat the poke is in Hawaii. You're not so allowed to eat so it I heard else. on House of Carbs. Wait, hold on. That's I right. want to talk about food, but first, when it comes to the massive decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. Mallory loves when I do reads because she's Love it. She's on her phone just working. Yeah, she just... crams one minute of work into it. <laughs> you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage. You can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. 
Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, so the Simmons fan went to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You are probably the two people I know that love food the most. Love food. For different reasons. Love food. House, house will eat food like an animal. You don't, you're not at that level. But like I brought you a pie once and you almost melted. Like you just, <laughs> it's the pie. same level of appreciation. <laughs> I love pie. So we go to Hawaii. We're in Maui. And there's this part of, of off of Maui called Paia. Mm-hmm. They, have oh. a play, they have a place called Mama's Fish House. Nice. We we'd been told to go to. Mm-hmm. There's a little in there that that I didn't realize that looked awesome. But we go Mama's Fish House, and we have this. They have, they have like awesome drinks and all this stuff. But then incredible fish cooked in all these different ways. I end up getting like the mahi mahi crusted in some sort of whatever house. Oh, I know you love I'm fish. Here. You have my attention. I know you love fish, but. When you're in Hawaii, and you know yeah. like they've pulled the fish out of and they and they've chopped it up, what's better? Incredible. And it, you feel he- you don't feel like disgusting after you don't have like after you've had like a prime rib or something where you're just you just want to like lie down for three hours. Fish you can actually eat and regroup. Is that if you could eat fish for the rest of your life? I'm giving you no other meat uh, meat choices, anything, just fish. Would you do that? I would. I would. A thousand percent, yes. I, I have to tell you, uh, and this is something that has occurred as, as I've gotten older, because, you know, it, it, you, you can't do what you're, what, when you're 25 years old with uh, carbs and meat and all the rest of it, I don't want, and the, the cheese and everything, I can eat so much fish and not feel any bad after effects. So I can still get that satiation that I desire, that my body is accustomed to, um, and I have the the great um, good fortune of being able to wake up the next day and get on with the day. I don't pay such a heavy price any longer. But the thing about what you're describing and that Hawaii experience that I find super compelling and also is part of why I didn't hesitate to say yes is because consuming fish that way has this has a has a sort of existential vibe to it, right? Yeah. Like you're connected to the planet in a way. You're taking this great harvest that came out of the sea. I mean, I can get spiritual about it because I think it is there's a a real spiritual element. Like when I eat prime rib, I am definitely not thinking about what that poor cow went through to to give me that wonderful bounty that's on my plate. The fish, I have whatever, for whatever reason, this mindset that fish is there for the purposes of, of, you know, providing a harmony between us, the human race, and and all those fishes in the sea. We were all working together for the same good outcome. This is beautiful. And I think that fish gave its life for a great, for a great piece or great moment to help me wake up the next day feeling energized and healthy and wonderful. Wow. My goodness. Wow. That is, that was beautiful. Really beautiful. A little shocking to hear. You live in Washington D.C., so you're a man of the yep. Mid Atlantic. What about what about conservation and sustainability? How mm. about our bay? How about our Chesapeake oh. Bay and the crabbing? The DMV and what's happening there? You just think it's just well, those crabs are just there for you. That's it. 
No, no, no. That's not no. There was a, a, a harmony there as well, and the and the, the <gasps> great depletion of the crab population, the, the the poor sacrificial blue crab in the in the Chesapeake Bay. That's the offshoot of of you know chemical farming and so forth. We're are, that the bay has been catching, you know, tonnage from of, of runoff from states like New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and you know. Uh, northward, coming down and filling the bay with with terrible chemical stuff. That's what what's hurt the crabs. It hasn't been over uh, over crabbing that that's produced, but, you know the the shortage. But why do people treat bodies of water that way? Mm. Now that's that's because they're not thinking they about the sanctity the of the fish itself, the life that Precisely. that fish deserves. So you're right about that. We and, are in agreement. And this brings me back to Hawaii, which is going to be the second home for the ringer in about four years. Oh, man. Um, Never been. Ooh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm inviting myself. I, I love the following things, and I'm always afraid to order them. I'm especially afraid to order them on Postmates or any of those food apps because nothing's worse than getting fish like 45 minutes yeah. after the fact. But No, don't do it. I love clam chowder. Me I too. love clam chowder. Me too. I'm always afraid to order clam chowder. But I know in Hawaii, I'm getting the real clam chowder, which is what I got at Mama's Fish House. I love lobster bisque. Mm, delicious. It's just, it's delicious. the best. Yeah. I really love lobster bisque when I know they just caught the lobster. I love shrimp. I like the big fat shrimps that they obviously just caught. And it was like the shrimp was trying to run away and they grabbed them. <laughs> um, those are just things that you can't get unless you're in a place like that. And I think I, I could just eat that stuff all the time. I would not. It always made me nervous, like even in Boston, which is known for the clam chowder. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're describing a New England life to me. Well, but the problem, it's like a pokey situation or like even crabs in Baltimore yeah. where it becomes such a thing. Oh, I won't order that there's a, crab a lot of sh- anywhere else. There's a lot of shortcuts. <laughs> well, it's just because people... They know it's the thing of right. the place, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the best version oh, of the thing. Yeah. I always get nervous with that. Um, so anyway, house, fish. I think we need an all fish House of Carbs episode at some this point. This is a great idea because we already, we kind of touched on it a little bit with, with David Chang. We'll have to think about who in the fish world would be uh, the right emissary or, or combo of people. It doesn't have to be just one person. I'd like to but know, we really like, need to treat fish fairly. Yeah, what's what's the single best fish order that I should be the most excited about? Because the staples are always on there, right? Like you'll see the swordfish. Mm-hmm. You'll see uh, the mahi-mahi is always there. You, it'll go through. And then like the salmon, which can be hit or miss depending on how fishy it is. But I'd love to know like from a chef – if that's on the menu, you get that. Like right. the the chefs always say, like filet mignon on the bone is always fantastic if it's done correctly. And they have a couple other steaks, but when I see filet mignon on the bone, I'm um I just know I know I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent in. Um, House, I had a fantastic veal parmesan at the Palm Ooh. in Beverly Hills. Oh. Oh. The so- the tomato sauce was not typical Italian tomato sauce. It was more like that sweet kind of tomato sauce. Oh, yeah. I like that Nice pounded part. veal. Um, yeah. The cheese was burnt on the top, which mm. I really appreciate and like. I like nice when... Strategy, I, a crispiness. Yeah, I feel like they when they put it... They put the cheese on, they kind of bake it in the griddle, almost like they would bake uh, a waffle sure. or something. Right. Of course, you know. of course. That's exactly what they did. But House, you're saying you're willing to give all that up. You never want to bite oh. into a bacon cheeseburger again. You never want to get the fried chicken from no, Popeyes. No, he does. Don't worry. He 100% Ever does. Ever again. He definitely does. No, he, he, he just pointed to me as, as, would you consider this? And the answer is, yes, I would definitely consider it. If it, it. meant you I could never have a piece of fried chicken again? 
Can I tell I you about? I understand. No, they, House is eating fried chicken. They, they, he's he's doing lip service on the fish. Yeah. He's definitely can't not eat fried chicken. One other place I want to tell you about in Hawaii that I just think should be copied here. There's a place called Slappies. It's a pancake place. Mm. They put they put the the big giant griddle grill in the middle of the table, and oh, they wow. bring the batter, and you make your own pancakes. So you'd be like, I want buttermilk, or I want um, gluten free, or I want like apple, Ew. apple whatever. And they actually bring the batter out, and you squirt it like you would squirt a ketchup bottle, and fry the pancake yourself. Flip it. They brought all these sides like bananas, chocolate chips. All these different things that you could put on the pancake as you're making it. Are they doing any guidance? Are they riding no. shotgun to say, all right, wait, that that that's too thick. It's not going to cook no. properly. You're going to have you a fishy make a, center. You can make a big, giant, fat pancake. You can make, like my son was making little tiny ones. Right. I thought it was one of the best ideas for a breakfast place I've ever seen. Like I my kids, I'm were, not into this at all. You're not, it's no. too much work. Way too much. Well, work. you could order too. You could have just ordered pancakes. Also, if I go to a I'm restaurant, it's because I trust the people in that establishment to know how to make the product better than I could make so it. So you don't like interactive foods. I enjoy the the ambiance at a place like that, and the the vibe and the like communal spirit. Everything basically that was missing from the Ringer Fantasy Draft, but <laughs> but. I don't want to do that work. I go out to eat so rarely. I want to be able you, to relax and you, enjoy myself. You just put the batter on there and I you like, cook it. I like having control over the constitution of the pancake itself. Like I'd like to be able to say, oh, no, no, one more handful of chocolate chips. Right. One more little like cloud of whipped cream. But I yeah. don't want to actually have to do that. House, you're telling me your son wouldn't like to go to a restaurant and make the pancakes himself. So this is the, precisely the point. This is a wonderful idea for families. A yes. great place to go with yes. kids. A great way to get a kid interested in food. I wish it existed here because it would be a fun way to introduce my kid. You know, we, he, he actually has a natural curiosity for cooking and food, and I'll put him up on the, the high stool. I mean, he's seven years old. He's pretty tall, but he can't reach all the way up and look down into the food as I cook it. Um, so I, we've had some nice conversations uh, uh, about, you know, red beans and rice and, you know, roasting a chicken and so forth. The pancake idea is a fantastic one, and that's what this restaurant is, is for. I wouldn't do it because... You wouldn't go just really me for, and you. It'd be weird. Yeah. yeah and th- they're doing, there's pizza places now that are doing this, too, where you kind of make your own so that's, pizza that's and then fine. you give Again, it to a, them. A kid idea. Yeah. yeah. What's, Make what, my pizza for me. What's your 2017 food thing you're most excited about, Mallory? Oh God. Um. What's been your What's been your most postmated order this year? Good question. My uh, wife won't let me get chicken parmesan anymore. Probably. Probably John and Vinny's. Because I do that for dinner and breakfast. <laughs> Oh, you get that? What do you get for breakfast? Uh, their breakfast is incredible. It's incredible. They have like an amazing banana bread. Just mm. that, like a little salt on it. Yeah. Yeah. Salted butter. Oh, right. It's That's exceptional. Favorite. Yeah. They do a, like I'll even, I'll, I'll trick myself into ordering some fruit when I have breakfast there or rather when someone brings me breakfast from there because they have like a creme brulee grapefruit. It's basically like just, you know. They just mm. pour a bunch of sugar on the grapefruit and then burn it. It's delicious. The pecan seeded granola there is outstanding. You get that with some Greek yogurt. I always also get an egg dish, either the soft scrambled eggs with burrata or the fried eggs. Soft scrambled eggs with burrata? Incredible. What do you think of that house? 
absolutely outstanding. It's Sign delicious. And they have like a really like a like a thick, hearty, crusty bread that they grill. It's delicious. Also, they have like, among the best bacon I've ever had. Ever. Yeah. What what qualifies for the best bacon you've ever had? Because I have some legitimate bacon thoughts. So for me personally, I like a crispy bacon. I don't like how a thick, soft, chewy bacon. How thick are we talking? I like a thinner, crispier bacon. If it's thicker, like Squirrel in Los Angeles has a very thick bacon. And that's one of the few places that I really like quite enjoy the thick bacon whether or not they listen to my request to make it on the crispier side just because it's so flavorful and delicious my one thing about the thicker bacon is if you get a really fatty piece and it's not cooked the way you ask that can be kind of a a, a tough experience so that's a that's a steakhouse thing where they're like yeah we make the bacon they bring it and it's just loaded with fat and you never know what i like the thick non-fat a lean cooked i like my bacon cooked have you had have you had breakfast at republic yeah they have the bacon steak they call bacon it. steak? Yeah, and it's it's about, oh man, I want to say it might almost be like a quarter of an inch thick. Wow. Like, it's like a tall, thick I think House piece. passed out, because he hasn't even grunted or said anything. Well, it's got like a maple just glaze. Just talk. You're, you're just maple not saying glaze. anything. Maple glaze. Delicious. Maple well, glaze. That's another key thing. Yeah. One is, um, this, the, the bacon steak is interesting. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to distinguish it from pork belly, because that's, Pork belly is ultimately the best. It's basically pork belly. Through yeah. delivery of, of, of bacon, that's fine. Right. I agree with the idea. I think you need to separate your bacons. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to do a steakhouse bacon, I was at Peter Luger's three weeks ago, a month ago. Everybody at the table got two orders of the bacon. It comes out. It does have fat in in it, but that's where the flavor comes from. You can, right. if it, if it's not to your liking to eat the fat and consume the fat, don't do it. I prefer to rub it all over my face because I want to smell <laughs> like that bacon when I wake up the next day. And I ate all of both plates of bacon that arrived. But if you're wanting a breakfast bacon to go along with um, like an omelet or other things, it's a, it's a side to accompany things. I'm in the school of, of, of Reuben. I subscribe to the Mal school, which is, you know, a, a crispy, thin, yeah. um, just as a, as, a, as a delivery mechanism for something that's salty and crispy to go along with something wonderful like eggs or exactly. a delicious, uh, you know. What's, what's all the crunch? I mean, come on. You want yeah, the crunch. That's you want the bacon texture. Cheese. You know, come on. you know what I've come to grips with? I went through the turkey bacon because you mm-hmm. no, yeah, it's healthier. Ah, come on. You know what? No. <laughs> it just sucks. That's right. Has yeah. anyone That's ever like answer. thoroughly enjoyed turkey bacon? The problem is it doesn't it's never gonna crisp up the way you want ever. it to. The only way that I have found that I like turkey bacon at home is if we bake it in the oven. Ooh. Instead of using a skillet, because you're never gonna be able to fry it the way you want to. You just aren't. It doesn't have the fat content. But if you bake it, well, it's how interesting. About, how about the, yeah, how, that's right. That's how I make all bacon in my house. Oh, it goes in the oven at 400 degrees. There you go. Where do you guys stand on candied bacon? Because I had that at Slappy's. They, they had normal bacon <laughs> and then candied bacon, which was a little sugary. Slappies. Which of course Ben that's Simmons. Great. Between that and the pancakes and the syrup, Ben what Simmons was, was cornholio. Was it sugar? Was it chocolate? Was it it's, just like a maple kind of coating? No, it seemed like a maple sugar. Like they put the bacon and then they cooked it in the maple sugar. Is it which chewy I thought, or is it really no? It was crispy. same bacon, crispy. It was it was interesting. I liked it. I'd have to be in the right mood. No. Yeah. It's almost an Fine. extra. It's a totally separate experience. Like I still would want the regular bacon, and then you're getting that as almost a dessert. Adult. Of sorts. For children. If you had a choice between um, 
crispy hash browns, breakfast potatoes, yeah. or potato pancakes. What are you picking? I'm always going to pick breakfast potatoes over crispy hash browns. Always. Okay. Now. Wow. Is now, there a reason? Uh, I just, I think almost always better seasoning. Almost always better seasoning. That's that's a good point. Too often with the crispy hash browns. Now, if you're at a place where you know they're delicious, that's a different equation. But if you're just going into a new diner, you want to try it out. I think the hit rate is higher on the on the breakfast potatoes. Too often the crispy hash browns are just kind of like, kind of just taste like grease, which is the same problem potentially. With, they rush with the, the hash browns. Yeah, with the potato yeah. pancake. Now I you know I'll speak as a member of the tribe here as a a chosen person as a Jew. <laughs> You have to know. The quality control. Yeah, you have to know. Like, I always ask myself, would Marion Rubin sign off on this lot key? You know, would grandma think that this is a suitable presentation? This sounds like my Aunt Jen with meatballs. I always judge my meatballs by whether my Aunt Jen would have approved. I'm more likely to be disappointed by a potato pancake than I am to really enjoy it, even though I love them in general. That's so funny. I'm the opposite. I've never been disappointed by a potato pancake. If there's sour cream and applesauce, I'm just happy. They're too bland often. That's, House, be the tiebreaker. You need some onion in there. Well, this isn't going to be helpful. I would choose, and this is exactly what I would do if I walked into a breakfast place I'd never tried before. I would order both the crispy hash brown and the potato pancakes. I would leave alone the potatoes, the the breakfast potatoes. Yeah. The crispy because ha- it's worth the gamble to me that the crispy hash browns are are done properly, which is um, crispy and salty. And the potato pancake is a separate thing altogether. You kind of hit on it a little bit, my friend Bill Simmons. It's a nice vehicle for other things that might be on the plate. And if it has the right consistency and it's kind of thick enough, I love a little dollop of sour cream. You know what else goes wonderful with the potato pancake? A little hot sauce. You could put mm. a dab of your yeah. Cholula on that guy with the sour cream, a little bit of heat with a little bit of cool. And that's a nice bite. And you might have cram a little scrambled egg in your mouth at the same time as that bite. That's a nice bite of food right there. And that's why I would get both the hash browns and the potato pancake. Yeah. The breakfast potatoes are the best vehicle for the hot sauce. I think so she's true. right. So if you're right. interested That's in the fact. hot sauce experience, you have to get the breakfast potatoes. I will say I that I, what it really comes down to is I really like the sour cream and applesauce combo. I hate sour cream. Yeah, so that... Oh. that I like so, the applesauce. I like sour I like, cream, not applesauce. I like pierogies too. Love My kids eat pierogies. Sure. Love pierogies. Yeah, My, wife will, My wife will boil them first and then... Cook them in the pan. Mm. So you get a little brown on yeah. both sides. Get that Put, crunch. Get that the, crisp. The kids love that as well. House, where do you stand on corned beef hash? The best corned beef hash I've ever had was at the Heritage Diner in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, you introduced me to corned beef hash. I did. It wasn't a big thing on the on the diner menus down here when I was going around as a high school. Mallory, that's student. how that's how you know you've been friends for a long it's time when beautiful. somebody says you introduced me to the corned beef hash. Like I introduced him to his, his third girlfriend. <laughs> It's beautiful. Go ahead, House. I'm sorry. I'm not going to talk about what girlfriends you may or may not have introduced me to, but the corned beef hash was better than all of it. And I'm very happy to have corned beef, corned beef hash in my life the last 25, 30 years. It's, um, it's a hit it, or miss order, wonderful. though. It can be, yeah, corned beef exactly. hash can mostly be in the wrong hands. When yep. it's done correctly, some people will go too far with corned beef hash and actually like really try to make it with real corned beef, like fried and potatoes thrown in and then it just ends up being two things that 
are kind of separately together. Right. I like when it's a little bit old school. It's a little bit. I'm not sure how long it's been there, but it's fried. Okay. So you want kind of the like the, the TV tray dinner version of it. But well, but the well done version of that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's it's something that I've got as I've gotten older. It's tough to start the day with a big thing of corned beef hash. I can't say it's a big part of my life. Should I should I invest in it more? In an omelet, I think is the most intriguing way to eat it. Interesting. Your little cheese. That's a that's a great entryway. What cheese pairs best? I would say provolone, something that's not overwhelming. I agree. A neutral cheese. A neutral cheese. Interesting. (laughs) Neutral Neutral cheese. House, what's the best thing you've eaten since I've seen you? Ooh, that is a great question. I had I ordered bucatini every single night. I was down in Orlando, Florida last week mm. inside the confines of the mousetrap. I, I, I took my seven-year-old on a wild and wonderful Disneyland tour. Uh, we stayed at a, at a great hotel, which, honest to God, was the saving grace of the whole effing trip. I wanted to kill myself at the end of each day. And then this hotel, we'd return and be like, ah, oh, amen. Yeah. This is a little bit of adult time. A martini and a bucatini. <laughs> Uh, I, I ate the bucatini every single night. It was prepared. It was a la amatriciana. I, I, I botched it. Everybody on the Twitters get at me. I don't care. A la amatriciana, which is a, with a with a pancetta, with an onion, um, a little red pepper flake. I, I would let them. I would permit a small uh, shave or two of the parmesan on top, but I mainly wanted it for that acrid, spicy, um, salty mouthful, and the pasta was obviously cooked perfect al dente. Every single night, wonderful, wonderful meal I had. Sounds delicious. Sounds amazing. John Vinny's excellent bucatini. House of Carbs, we had, uh, we, you, me, House, me, and Craig Gaines. The Chief. Ringer Copy Chief. The Chief. It was, it's, we haven't run it yet. It's about sports bars, and it's a podcast where we realize Craig Gaines should be just called The Chief. He'll love it. I like to call him Dad. Dad's also I good. I feel like Chief he's, he's dad. the office dad. So he just, especially when I'm with a, a, an intern or a young person in the office and he walks in, I, I like to say, hey, dad, really enthusiastically and, and embarrass him. So we have that. What else do we have coming up in House of Carbs, House? A whole slew of, of guests in the queue. I don't feel. I feel like I probably shouldn't. Yeah, don't um, say it. Don't don't tell. Naming names, but we have a bunch of people that you've heard of before coming on. Good. House of Carbs to talk about their <laughs> particular pursuits and interest and commitment to the food game. So please check us out. Last thing, you have thirty seconds to give your review of season seven of Game of Thrones to Mallory. Oh, oh, oh no! This is hard. <laughs> Uh, too much pressure. I just used 10 seconds. I have to say it felt most, to me, forced. That's the word that I use. Yeah. I, I didn't like, I knew that they had to accomplish great big things, but in each episode, to accomplish all that they did should have been two hours to two and a half hours. I would have indulged a movie-length version of each one of those seven episodes to, to walk me along. I, didn't, I, I just couldn't get over the effing raven the pacing, uh, you yeah. know, flying back with the instant news like it was a goddamn email. And I had a really hard time <laughs> with the dude running from the White Walkers to the, yeah. to, the, to the big wall. You're the fastest. I mean, come on, son. Give, give me something that I can work with. Let me try and believe it a little bit. I, I, they did a great job of that all the way up until this season, and they just felt like they crammed too much in. So I'm sorry. House, on a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied were you with John and Danny's sex scene? It was a 3. Whoa. Yeah, it was really like a 2.5. Not, Not nearly, nearly enough, enough Danny. Danny. Interesting. 2.5. Yeah, like, 2.5? That's, 
I think Benioff and Weiss, this is where they really slipped. First two years, they're like, we're owning the sex thing. We'll cross a couple lines. Yeah. Like, just be on your toes. And now it's become conventional. They're, they're, they're tiptoeing. They, they haven't really thrown I, the gauntlet down in a I while. I feel well, they compelled. Can't, they can't turn it into self-parody, and I understand that. But, I mean, Danny set a bar. She, she did. Was an un, she, there was, she was a, an 11 out of 10, her and that Dothraki uh, uh, genius. Unbelievable, <laughs> those scenes. It was like Blake, those, those it was like Blake Griffin's rookie season. It was Blake Griffin's rookie season, just yeah, above exactly the rim, constantly. I'm, I'm equally of fond of, of the, the John Egret cave scene from, from season three. I, I think of that the same way you guys think of That's Danny's scenes. Another terrific scene. It's awesome scene. A special they, one. They did go a little conventional, though. I feel compelled to note. Please. The voice of the people here that... You just referred to a sex scene between an aunt and her nephew as conventional. Yeah, but they didn't know yet. <laughs> they, they don't know. They we were, know. They were sure. We know. The way that they were the way that they were splicing back and forth between scenes of Danny and John together and the Rhaegar John dad reveal yeah. to really hammer home for you what was happening, what was transpiring there, and what the fallout is going to be for those characters when they realize that. Sure, that's not like a clear shot of tits, but it's something. House is heavy breathing now. <laughs> I've been watching say. three years of Jamie bang out Cersei. That, that, all yeah. of a sudden, that's supposed to be shocking to me? You got a Cersei-Jamie blowjob this season. Yeah. I know, I'm just saying, but like, like the, the, that's brother-sister's action. What was aunt-nephew? What do I care about that? Yeah, there was brother-sister doggy style in the pilot episode. It was just a really of, high bar to set. This is the target. Also, the like, target. so, and, and Tyrion just doesn't like hookers and brothels anymore? One of my... He's just, he's just, he's just out again, on the hookers? If, if we had two and a half hours, right. Tyrion could have got his. No, we're, we're where's his brothel? Does he have a brothel this in is a big, This is actually like a big... It's not really right to call it a theory, but a big line of the a big area of discussion on the internet among the thrones heads is is Tyrion now constantly making bad decisions because he isn't having sex anymore. Ooh. Like back the in the Blackwater days. Yeah. <laughs> he had shit. Maybe you know? that could explain Donald Trump too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, thanks so much to the Fly Delta app. The Fly Delta app will make your travel experience informed, connected, and seamless from before your trip through the journey to the tail end. It's with you every step of the way, giving you the time and information you need. You can even book flights, check your sky mile balance, balance, check your bags, you name it. The Fly Delta app does everything. Discover all the ways Delta makes travel easier than ever before. Download the Fly Delta app on your iPhone, iPad, or Android today. Don't forget to subscribe to House of Carbs. Don't forget to read my Friday column has returned on theringer.com. Don't forget to go back on the binge mode Game of Thrones feed 67 episodes Check and it out Maybe 100 hours Oh god Of podcasting A lot At that point A lot, a lot of love there <laughs> There's been a House There's been um, There's been some meetings About what the next Binge mode Binge mode uh, <laughs> Podcast is gonna be I think, you, I think we've, We're my, circling my We're circling something I can't wait to hear the reveal Circling something We need We need Mallory Once she finishes Her 30 day uh, Stint at the Malibu <laughs> rehab place <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, she's gonna be there. Celebrity rehab. I'm ready. She's gonna go through, and then when when we see the light flickering back in her eyes, so we're gonna I'm unleash her on binge mode again. I miss Jason. I miss binge mode every second of every day. I'm ready. Put me yeah. in, Coach. Um, enjoy the weekend, everybody. Stay safe, everybody in Florida. 
Thanks, House. Thanks, Mallory. And we'll be back on Monday for the BS Podcast. <laughs>